1 Kings chapter 14, verse number 6 is where we're going to be. Does anybody know, is this my water? <laughs> oh, there's a water bottle here. Okay, good. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know who to, who to blame on that one, so I just put that over there in case I, so I don't. <laughs> Ain't no telling, you know, so I, here's a cup, and I'm wondering if it was for me or not, and somebody said that there was water here for me, and uh, so I'm thinking, well, that could be it, or I could drink that and get whatever it is that my son-in-law has. I, I don't, don't know what that is. I have not seen my granddaughter yet just got in late last night and so i'm gonna see her today i'm sure i hope to yeah and so looking forward to to, to seeing little rory five pounds oh my goodness that's nothing that's nothing but the lord's blessed them with a healthy uh, baby and we thank the lord for that and uh amen all right uh, first kings chapter number 14 just one verse right now we're gonna go back and uh read it in context later uh, we're looking at pretenders, those put on a mask or uh, camouflage or costume, masqueraders. First Kings chapter 14, verse number 6, And it was so when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet as she came in at the door that he said, Come in thou, wife of Jeroboam, why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. And we'll get into the story here and the, the explanation of what's going on. Um, she was instructed to put on a costume to make her look like somebody else that she was not so that she could kind of get in on the blind side of the prophet and get blessing or find out what was going to happen in the future without really uh, revealing to, to him who she was. So she had a, a mask on. She had a, 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 a costume. She was playing like that. She was somebody else. She was feigning. That means pretending. She was pretending like she was... She was putting on like that she was somebody else. And, and the question was, why feignest thou thyself to be another? Good question. We're going to be dealing with that uh, later, but let's stop right now. Ask the Lord's blessings as we get into the message here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you'd uh, open it up to us, help us to, to gain from uh, the, the story here, what had taken place there, but then also, Lord, how it applies to us here in 2019. Lord, I pray that you would... Um, speak to each heart. Lord, I thank you so much for the fellowship of believers, and I thank you, Lord, that there is a place here that honors you and that we can come to and we can corporately worship together and we can uh, honor you, uplift your name and, and praise and glorify you. Lord, I, th I thank you for this place. I just, you know, Lord, I truly am so grateful to be part of Wooden Valley Baptist Church, and Lord, I pray that you just uh, meet with us again here today. We we can meet together, and the fellowship is sweet, and it's a wonderful place, and there's so many fine people here, but Lord, unless you meet with us, unless you speak to our hearts, then it's all for naught. Lord, we, we need you. We need you. We, we confess that. We need you. We need you today to, to open up your word to our hearts, and Lord, have it uh, pierce through all those uh, uh, shields and all those uh, um, obstacles, Lord, that you would make it into where we live, and that you would speak to us, that you would deal with us, Lord, that you would speak to every person that's here, believer, unbeliever alike. Lord, especially for those that are here without Christ, Lord, I pray that you help them to understand that their mask doesn't work with you. Their, uh, their get-up doesn't fool uh, 
who matters. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, speak to hearts. I pray that you'd be with us and that you would uh, take and, and use your word for us and, and uh, benefit us today, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the last time that I was here, that was uh, three weeks ago, I guess, that, that I was with you, we continued down the line of David as we were going through all in for him and uh, uh, the, the passage in Chronicles where David was passing off the scenes and he was... Uh, preparing for the temple to be built and handing it off to Solomon. Well, you know what had taken place. He, he did that, and Solomon had a great start and then uh, failed miserably. And after, at the, the, the end of Solomon's life, passing it off to Rehoboam, and we saw the dangerous detour that the y young man of God fell for the last time that we were here when Rehoboam and Jeroboam uh, uh, had the, the divided kingdom, the, the kingdom that began to be divided at the, at the start there. And it was uh, uh, Jeroboam who set up the idolatry. You remember Jeroboam was that man who the Bible calls the, the man who made Israel to sin. He was the one that, uh, that was wicked and, and led the children of Israel into idolatry, into, <clears throat> into uh, a trek away from the Lord that they nigh did not recover from. And, and uh, the last time that we were here, we talked about the young prophet that was sent uh, to the message to Jeroboam. And then he uh, met with the old prophet, and, and uh, we talked about um, uh, that situation there. As we continue in the story, Jeroboam stubbornly refused to turn from his way, and we find God's hand heavy upon him, the beginning of this chapter, in the form of his child's death, Abijah. Let's read from verse number 1 of the chapter down through verse number 17 and put it in context. So, uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 14, from verse number 1. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam. See, because he had a reputation. He wasn't following the Lord. He was disobedient. And he was trying to, he was trying to shield that. He was trying to, to hide that from the prophet. So he tells his wife, you need to put on a disguise. And get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahijah, the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. <clears throat> and take with thee ten loaves and cracknels and a cruise of honey. And go to him. He shall tell thee what shall become of the child. And Jeroboam's wife did so and arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see for his eyes were set by reason of his age. That's why I'm taking off my glasses and I'm getting the book right in my face because I'm getting older and, you know, my eyes are set for age. And it's getting worse. So, but you want to know something? You all look better to me now than you've ever looked before. But anyway, so anyway, so here Ahijah can't see. He's, he's got problems with his eyes. The prophet Ahijah can't see. And so this should be a, a piece of cake for Mrs. Jeroboam to go ahead and uh, fool him. Verse number five. And I should say, but the Lord said unto Ahijah, behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, for it shall be when she cometh in that she shall feign herself to be another woman. Again, that word feign, we don't use it very often, but it means fake. 
She's going to pretend like. She's going to put on like. So she's going to feign herself to be somebody that she's not, to be another woman. And it was so when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, as she came in at the door, that he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. <laughs> Why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. Goodness. Nailed her, didn't he? I'm telling you what, he just, he just pegged it. And here she comes, trying. To, she got this whole get up and not one bit of fool at all did she put on the prophet. So these were the heavy tidings, verse number seven. God tells Ahijah to tell Jeroboam, go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, forasmuch as I exalted thee from among the people and made thee prince over my people Israel and rent the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it thee, and yet thou hast not been my, my servant as David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all of his heart to do that only which was right in mine eyes, but has done evil above all that, I, that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made the other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and has cast me behind thy back. How about that for a word picture for somebody that casts the Lord behind their back? I mean, it's not, it's not in the forefront of their mind or their plans or anything they cast the lord behind his back goodness verse 10 therefore god says behold i will bring evil upon the house of jeroboam and will cut off from jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall that's a reference to soldiers and, and men he says hey you're going to get cut down here and him that is shut up and left in israel and will take away the remnant of the house of jeroboam as the man taketh away dung till it be all gone him that dieth of Jeroboam in the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat, for the Lord hath spoken it. Arise thou therefore, get thee to thine own house, and when thy feet enter into the city, the child shall die. And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. He, can you imagine that? He's, he's telling Jeroboam that you are so uh, uh, off the track, off the rails. You're so wicked. You're so bad. The only thing good in your house is your child who's, who's going to die. And he says uh, that's the only thing that's found good in you and your, your family, your house, your, your dynasty. Uh, verse 14, Moreover, the Lord shall raise him up a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam that day, but what even now? For the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water and shall root up Israel out of this good land which he gave to their fathers and shall scatter them beyond the river because they have made their groves provoking the Lord to anger. And he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who did sin, who made Israel to sin. Again, that's another uh, uh, adjective of Jeroboam. He's the one who made Israel to sin. And Jeroboam's wife arose. Now, can you imagine the message that she just got from the prophet? He says, when your feet get back to home, your child's going to die. This is her child. This is the one she loves. This is the one that she'd love to see again alive, but she's already had the, the, the condemnation, the judgment against her, against her house, that when she comes home, the child will die. Can you, can you imagine her, her angst, her anxiety to get back to see her child one more time before he dies? Jeroboam's, Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Terzah. 
And when she came to the threshold of the door, the child died. And they buried him, and all Israel mourned for him. And then it goes on. What a story. What I'd like to, I mean, we, can, we can, and we'll try to bring out some of the points of this story, then kind of apply them to where we are, but um, she, she feigned or faked, played like, masqueraded like she was somebody that she was really not. She was instructed to do that. The, the, the Hebrew definition for feign, or the word is nakar, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, is to pretend or put on a costume or mask. To, to make like somebody that you're not. Now this morning, we're, we're going to kind of look at pretenders, copycats, those who promote a false identity, those who try to pawn themselves off as something or somebody that they are not. And we're going to look at the reasons why. Why do people put on masks? Why do people pretend like, pretend like they're something that they're not? Nature presents us with plenty of examples of uh, characters of disguise. When I say nature, I mean God's glory and the things that he's designed on this earth. I mean, we could just look around and, and notice that there are many that, are, that have costumes or, or uh, camouflage. Insects that look like sticks or leaves. And it's amazing how, you know, God would take a butterfly or a moth and, and make it look like a dead leaf. And, and exactly like a dead leaf, you know, and, and you see that, except it's crawling around on the, on the tree, you know, with legs, you know. And it's just, it's amazing when you, when you see some of those things. Fish that take intricate disguises of their surroundings. If you ever see uh, um, octopi, I guess you call them, uh, is it octopuses? I thought it was octopi. I learn something new every day. Hey, you learn something. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Uh, when you see octopuses uh, when, and, and they're going along and all of a sudden they change and they look like the rock or they look like the seaweed or whatever, it's amazing. It's a, <coughs> amazing. And, and, and you, you see how, how much that they disguise themselves to look like their surroundings. Camouflaged animals and plants that we have uh, seen that imitate um, things, and, and we take that, and, and we do the same. We, we take camouflage and imitate ourselves for the battlefield or for hunting grounds. And then there are the imposters. There are animals that imitate other more lethal animals to ward off predators. Snakes that imitate poisonous vipers have the same markings as poisonous vipers, but they're not. They're copycats, but they look like they're bad stuff, and so others stay away from them. Butterflies. Uh, I never knew this uh, until I read an article about it. The, the monarch butterfly is poisonous. It's, it's toxic to birds. I mean, they'll, they'll eat a, a, a monarch butterfly and puke it up. And, but there's a butterfly that looks just like the monarch, but it's not the monarch, or monarch butterfly. It's, it's a, a butterfly that looks like the monarch that has the same protection because, you know, the... Uh, uh, birds stay away from that. They don't, they don't eat that also because it looks like something that it would be uh, distasteful. We have a world of camouflaged examples that give us ideas for our camo clothes and camo gear. I was in Springfield, Missouri this last week after uh, I was there in uh, Chicago for the most part, but then flew down to, to uh, 
uh, Springfield where they had the uh, Global Independent Baptist Fellowship meeting. Great meeting. It was just, it was so good. It was, it was wonderful. And uh, but anyway, they had some time. The preacher that I was with went to go see uh, uh, the Bass Pro Shop, which they bought out Cabela's. I didn't know that. But anyway, there's all kinds of camouflage this and that and just really cool, really neat things. But we, we, we copy uh, the, those phenomenon of nature. It's called camouflage, camo. Max, masks or costumes serve us when we want to go unnoticed. Jesus warned us of evil designs of the religious in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. This is what the Bible says. Jesus says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? He says, listen, you can tell who they are, what they're really like by the fruit that they put out. But you couldn't tell by how they look because they have a sheep costume on. I saw a, an artist's rendition of this where this, this wolf was, there was this sheep costume that had a zipper all the way through it. You know, it looked kind of weird, but it looks like a sheep, but it's not, it's a wolf. And, and Jesus warned us that they, they want to move about in the sheepfold, but will have a hard time of it uh, if the sheep are aware of their nature, and so they dress up, they, they play like. They put a costume like a sheep, and thus the costume. <coughs> but he said fruit is the key to their intention. It's not what a person says, <coughs> it's what they are, and it's what they produce. Hey, folks, let's pay attention. Let's learn from that example there. It's not by what a, what a person says, but what actually comes out of their life, what it is that they're, uh, the position that they hold and the, the fruit to their, their, that position. <clears throat> Paul warns us of preachers and churches who design to do damage to God's genuine church in 2 Corinthians <coughs> chapter 11, verse number 13. Look at it with me. It says, For such are false apostles. Now, Paul is warning them. He's warning them that there are people out there that they're pretending like they're apostles, genuine apostles of the Lord. They're preaching the word of God. They're false. They're, they're copycats. They've got a mask on. They've got a costume. <coughs> they they want to look like they're in. They want to look like they're God's people, but they're not. False apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Goodness. It says that Satan's demons and the, uh, the, 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 uh, um, uh, the, the ugly, deformed, dark kingdom players will play like their angels of light. Goodness. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, the people that are on Satan's side, the people that are working in cahoots with the devil, his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of Christ, of, of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. He says there's, there are churches that you can go to in this community and surrounding in, in uh, uh, the area that have Satan's ministers preaching, looking like God's people, saints, Christians, and they're not. They're actually working on behalf of Satan. And, and sometimes 
They know it, and sometimes they don't. Satan is a master of deceit, the master of lies, the father of lies. And, and so here they're, they're saying, like, thus saith the Lord, and that's not what God said. And Paul's warning about them. He says, hey, you better be careful because there are those in masks, in costumes, and they play like. There's the purpose masquerading in the religious field to cause confusion or to distract from the truth. Oh, they look good for sure. <coughs> Angels of light. Ministers of righteousness. We're talking about those with degrees and those in, that are respected in the community. What Handsome, maybe beautiful, smooth, popular. But their impact destroys what God wants to accomplish. If Satan were to appear before you in his repulsive deformity, you would cringe. But that's not how he operates. Satan won't knock on your front door and, and, and look all deformed and, you know, with horns and a, uh, a tail and a pitchfork. That's not, how he, that's not how he operates. He has the appearance of kind or gentle beauty. Remember, Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. In John 8, 44, that's what Jesus told us about, warned us of, that he's the father of deception and lies. So we mustn't be confused concerning the appearance of things. You've got to evaluate the spirits by the word of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1. <clears throat> Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they, they are of God. Because many false prophets, they're, they're looking like God's prophets. They're looking like they're, they're preaching and teaching the truth. <clears throat> no, no. Many false prophets are gone into the world. How many? Well, this just says many. And matter of fact, the Bible says in, in the, 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 uh, the time before Christ, there's going to be a multitude of, it's going to explode into false prophets. It's going to be those everywhere. <clears throat> because many false prophets are gone out into the world. <clears throat> Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Now, where do we learn that? That's the Word of God. We learn anything about Jesus by the, the truth of God's Word. He's, he's talking about when the Bible says, try <coughs> the spirits, test the spirits. How do you try the spirit? How do you test by the word of God? Does it go according to God's word? Is it according to the truth of God's word? If it is, then it's right. It's, uh, it's of God. If it's contrary to his word, then it's not good. It's not right. It's not okay. Some time ago, there was a <clears throat> one of the members here brought their friend to an activity that we had here. <clears throat> and he was, he was a Mormon, and he was uh, a friend of, of one of our members. And, and he says, Pastor, I want you to meet this guy. And so he sat down. He wanted to discuss uh, the uh, gospel, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the gospel that his church taught and preached. And uh, I said, sure, let's sit down. I'd be glad to. And I said, well, first, I don't remember the guy's name. Let's say his name was uh, Bob. I said, Bob, listen, first, what I want to do is, is I want to lay down some ground rules in our conversation. You believe <clears throat> that this is the word of God. I, I know Mormons have three books. There's a King James Bible, and there's the Doctrine and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price, and there's many others. But those are the, secret, uh, the, the sacred writings of Mormonism. And I, and I said, but at least... 
you know, we don't have the Doctrine and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price. We have the King James. We recognize this as being the Word of God. So you, you agree with us that this is the Word of God, right? Yes. Okay. Now, if we can agree with that and we can understand, now I might disagree with it or you might disagree with it, but this is the truth. This is God's Word, okay? So if we've got that to discuss, then let's, and, and I said, okay, now, <clears throat> before we get into the discussion, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go along and agree that this is God's word until we come to the place where your church and your uh, theology goes contrary to the word of God, and then you're going to attack the word of God. I'm just letting us know, and I'm doing this in front of our, our members, and letting, letting us know this is what's going to happen. He says, well, no, no, I believe that this is the word of God. Okay, great. So went ahead and went into Isaiah chapter 41, 42, 43, where, where the Bible says, I am the, uh, uh, look unto me and be ye, ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Because the doctrine, the teaching of the word of God is very, very clear that <clears throat> there's only one God. There's not a many gods, not a bunch of gods. And, you know, the, the, the dealing is, well, uh, this is the teaching that, yes, this is on, the only God that we have to do, deal with. Because this is his universe, our Jehovah God deals with all of his creation, his creatures, which are us. And so that's, that's the, you know, we don't have to worry about all these other gods that are out there that are equal in scope and size and, you know, power and all that kind of stuff. There's many gods. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there is one God and, and that's it. I am God. There is none else. That's what the Bible says. And that's where he says, well, yeah, but see, he's just relaying this to us because there are, other, there are other gods that we don't know about and don't need to know about. So I went to the scripture that, that, that says, from the Lord, who says uh, that he is the, the only God. There are no other gods. Are there any other gods? I know not any. That's what God says. He is the only one God. There are no other gods. Are there any other gods in existence? And God says very clearly, I don't even know of any other gods. There are no other gods out there. So then I stopped and I, I talked to Bob. I says, Bob, now listen. Does this mean that our God, God Jehovah, doesn't really know? Like he's stupid? I mean, you, you're saying that there are other gods that are out there. He says he doesn't know of any other gods. So is he either stupid or is he lying to us? Because we know that God doesn't lie. See, look, this says, uh, in hope of eternal life, that God who doth not lie, cannot lie, promised us and so god can't lie we know that so is he lying or is he is he dumb <laughs> and he's and at that point he said well see isaiah there you know you can't really tell because there's old books and you know there there's some uh, other things in there and so it's it's got some mistakes in it and it's got to, I said, attacking the book exactly isn't that and i looked to my member i said look that's exactly what i said this is what was going to happen He's going to say that's the word of God until it goes contrary to what he's trying to push. And, and then he's going to attack the book. And he's saying, well, that's not reliable. Hey, folks, you better pay attention. We are to try the spirits to see whether they are of God. How do you try the spirit? You take the word of God, the plumb line, the, the truth of God's word. And if it goes along with this, it's of God. If it goes contrary to this, it's not of God. And that's, the, and that's what he's saying. Try the spirits, because there are many false prophets going out into the world. So if the source agrees with the Bible, it's good. If it goes contrary to the word of God, it's of the devil. So according to this measuring stick, there's a 
whole lot of falsehood out there that contradicts the scripture when he says there's many false prophets. Folks, you know there's not much out there that agrees with the doctrine, with the truth, with the teaching of this, the word of God. Everything out there is going to contradict, going to have a, a different way of salvation, a, a different God or different something. And so if it's contrary to this, it's very clear God sets it out, saying it's not of God, it's false prophets, they're deceitful workers, they're, they're, they're not uh, telling the truth. And so there, there's a lot out there that are contrary, they, that does uh, contradict the scriptures. So there's a lot of demonic voices out there today, and it's getting worse by the day. Folks, we're to check we're to try it, we're to test it by the plumb line of the Bible. What does the Word of God say? And sometimes people pretend like they, they're something that they're not because of the acceptance that they desire. I'm talking about masquerades or masks, costumes. Why do, why do people pretend like? Well, sometimes it's because they want to be, be, be accepted. Now, saints do this all the time. I'm talking about believers. We pretend like that we're on the end. We pretend like we're right with God when sometimes we're not. We want to look spiritual while in reality we're maybe far from God and his fellowship. First John chapter 1, verse number 6, this is how John puts it. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. Why would we lie? Why would we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness? But you know, that's common. That's common. My sister, my older sister, would uh, every time I saw her, she would ask me, so how are you doing with the Lord? Boy, that was a, that was a tough question. I mean, I had to be on my toes at all times because if I wasn't doing right with the Lord, then how do you answer that one, you know? Are you walking with God? That's how she's, hey, Rich, how you doing? Are you walking with God? Uh, let's see, in the last four hours, maybe not, because, you know, the, uh, you know hey, am I, am I walking in the light as he's in the light? But here, as it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Why would a person lie about that? Why would a person lie about being right with God? He goes on to say in verse 8, if we say that we have no, we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is, why would we say that we don't, we're not sinning? You know, every once in a while, some, somebody will, well, they're, they're struggling with something in their life. The whole Spirit of God is speaking to them. They know it's wrong. They know they shouldn't be part of that or doing that. Or they know they shouldn't be uh, involved in that. And they're denying. They're going contrary to that. And they're saying, there's nothing wrong. I'm not sinning. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this. Well, yeah, go ahead and keep on saying that. But the Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we not only deceive, try to deceive others, but we're deceiving ourselves. Why would somebody say that they're in the light if they're not? Well, it's because of shame. Because knowing right and wrong, what the Bible says, and what the truth is, you know, now we're in the relativistic truth. You know, it's my truth. You know, this is my truth. It doesn't coincide with your truth. That's baloney. There is the truth. And that's it. And, you know, there is one truth. It's not like relative, like it's more truth here and then here. No, no, it's, it's the truth is a truth. And uh, we, we're, we're faulted into believing, well, this is my truth, my reality. This is my reality, and this, that's your reality. So it's a, a different universe. So you're in your truth, and I'm in, this is my truth. That's, that's, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in, in any, any area. But um, when, when we're talking about um, 
the word of God, there, it's, there's right and wrong. And in that kind of a system, if you're not doing right, then you're to be blamed. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with your, your choices, your, your performance, your, where you, you are. And so uh, you've got you've to change that or take on the coat of shame, of guilt. King Saul was rejected because he pandered to the people rather than he served the Lord with all of his heart. When he was dethroned, and you remember the story between uh, when David uh, came up along the way and he was jealous and whatever, and uh, uh, here Samuel finally had to say, nope, God said you're not going to be king anymore. When he was dethroned, he had a strange request of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 30. Look at it with me. It says, after Samuel said, okay, you're no longer to be king. You failed. You failed God's, test, God's tests, and you're, you're no longer going to be king. Then he said, I have sinned. Okay, so that's, that part of it was good. He accepted. He said, okay, that's right. Shouldn't have took of the sheep and of the this. And I, I disobeyed God's clear command. I, okay, I have sinned. And then he says, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. He says, now listen, Samuel, this is, this is really embarrassing because I've failed and I, you know, uh, you know, I've done wrong. And so I don't want everybody to know that I've failed. I don't want everybody to know that I've done wrong. So therefore, hey, last request. Just go out there with me, with the people, and we'll go honor, you know, a sacrifice before the Lord. And it'll look like I'm still okay. It'll look like to my peers, it'll look like to my subjects that I'm still right with God. And why in the world? He's rejected of God but he wants to look like he's okay before the people. That's human nature. That is human nature. I want to look like I'm okay. I want to look like I'm accepted. I'm a, I want to look like I'm right with God. That's what he was saying. He says, go ahead, honor me now. And uh, so, before the elders, I mean, God knew the truth. He knew the truth. But before the people, before Israel, I, I want you to, to uh, make it look like I'm, I'm okay. Folks, if God rejects you, then why in the world worry about what the people think? Who cares what people think? But that's a big reason why some of you don't get saved. You know that if you get saved, then, then there's going to be some who will reject you. That's, that's exactly the reason why you're not going to get saved, because what others think of, of you. They're going to think that I've become a, a fanatic. Let them think whatever they want to think. Would you rather go to hell and have them think nice of you? Right? That, that's smart. That's why some of you don't stand for Christ. Whether it be at school or before your family or on the job. And, and you're, you're, you're not doing what God wants you to do. That's why some of you would not tell the truth to your loved ones. Because you're worried about what others will think of you. Who cares? Folks, who cares what people think? What about what God thinks? What about the, 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 the eternal and the, the final evaluation of you, of your life, of who you are? How about we worry about that? Not what people say, but we, we're, we're prone to, to worry about what others think of us. Listen, folks, this is strong. You know, I used to think this was like something for the teenagers. You know, you go into the teen department and you preach this to teenagers because there's peer pressure about doing drugs or, you know, premarital sex or things. So you got to, you know, uh, uh, bolster them against. Folks, this is, this is big for everybody. 
is big for everybody, you and me both. You think that after three years of a close mentorship of Christ, that Peter and the others would have the fiber to stand against a wicked gathering of soldiers when the maid comes along and accused him of being a follower of Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Weren't you with this guy that's being tried right now before Pilate? I don't know what you're talking about. Why? Why would he do, why would he do that? Because he didn't want others to think evil of him because they were thinking evil of the one that was being tried. <laughs> Too concerned about what others think. Hey, folks, how about, how about be concerned about what God thinks? All right? Let's, let's do that. Let's, let's do that. Now getting back to our story in, in our text, okay? So here, Jeroboam's done wrong. He's sinned. He's off the beaten path. He's, he's going to re, uh, receive a, a condemnation from God against him and his life. And, but his child is dying. He wants his kid to, to have life. And he, 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 he loves his child. But he, he says, okay, now listen, if, if I go there or, or uh, wife, if you go there before the prophet and, you know, they know who we are, we'll probably just get blasted. But we need a blessing for our son. And so he's, he's hiding. He makes his wife hide. Why? <coughs> because of his conscience. Look at what the Bible says in our text. First Kings chapter 14, look at verse number 2. Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, disguise thyself, that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam. See, folks, the reason Jeroboam asked the missus to disguise herself is because he was ashamed of his disobedience, of his performance. Ahijah was the prophet that gave him the chance to honor God and to serve God. You remember when he got started there, and you could read the story later, how that God said, listen, uh, Rehoboam's really gone off the, the path. I will use you. I will bless you if you do right, and you got to stay right. you got to honor me, but he did not do it. He began idolatry. He, he, he certainly didn't do that. <clears throat> Boy, did he ever go the other direction. He established idolatry instead of serving and, and honoring the one and true God. He was the one who caused Israel to sin. So <clears throat> Jeroboam <coughs> didn't want to reveal who was asking this of the prophet. He was ashamed. It's funny to understand that he, he understood that our lives are in God's hand. He recognized the true and living God. Even though he set up all of his idolatry, he understood where the health of his son lie. In the hands of God. The one and the truth, the, the God who made us. The God who he had to deal with. And he understood, he recognized the true and the living God. There was no mistake of reality in, in his thinking. His actions were contrary to reality, contrary to the truth, and contrary to God, although he understood that God was the only one who mattered here and now. Get to the prophet. See if you can get a blessing from God. You know, many are in that same pot. They're in that same kettle, knowing the truth. They're ashamed of who they are, what they are. They know the truth. But you know what? It's not enough to have them to change. No, they're going to remain right there. And notice that this guy had compassion for his children. He sent his wife to go to try to get a blessing for his dying son. He still loved his kids. He, he wanted blessings for his own. He still had compassion and love for his family. Both the righteous and the wicked have love between their own people. And he wasn't a monster. 
not to those around him. Listen, he was a, if, you, if you knew the king, you would probably say, he's a decent guy. He just wasn't right with God. So he asks his wife to put on this mask. And, of course, the mask fails. I mean, <laughs> fails big time. Uh, Ahijah, the prophet, didn't have to have 20-20 vision <laughs> for this one. You know, I mean, because God said, hey, Ahijah, listen, he's come. This is what's going to happen. She's going to be, and, and just laid it all out. And the mask failed. Of course, the masks always fail. They always do. They might work for a time with some, but eventually every mask comes down. Even the blind prophet could see through this thing. And no matter how hard that they tried, how far the missus went, what she could have done she couldn't avoid the final verdict of God. When you get there, your child is going to die. And her, her feet crossed the threshold, the child died. See, you can't escape the consequences of, of our actions. You can delay judgment for a time, but you can't escape the consequences of your dis disobedience. You've got to face it. Face it. Hey, listen, this is not about Ahijah and Jeroboam. No, no, it's about you. It's about me. You cannot, you cannot get out of the consequences of your choices. You will face them. You will face, you will face a God before this uh, 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 celestial courtroom scene where everything's going to be revealed. You will face it. So let's take a look at that verse that we started with, 1 Kings 14, verse number 6. And it was so when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet as she came in at the door that he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Why feignest thou thyself to be another? Good question. Why, what are you doing with the makeup? <laughs> what, what about this costume that you, that you got now? And by the way, that's a great question for us today. Why do you pretend? Why do you pretend? And I'm going to ask that question in light of these truths. It doesn't make sense. Why do you pretend? Why do I pretend? Number one, God identifies you. He sees right through the costume, the mask that you put up. Folks, we are, we are notorious. Come into church with masks. Everything's okay in my life. Everything's fine. Uh, you know, and, and this, is, this is how we come. We come with a Bible. I have a very small Bible here, but the bigger the Bible, the more spiritual. You have it under your arm. Brother, it's good to see you, you know, today, and uh, isn't God good? And really, th there's some, some, there some bad stuff going on inside. We've got a mask on. Why? Why do we pretend? Why do we, we pretend? Because, first of all, God knows. He, he identifies you. He sees and knows. Hebrews 14, or 4 to 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You, you can't get away with this with God. You can kind of pretend like you, you're hiding, or, but he sees exactly where you're at. When God was going through the garden and Adam wasn't there hiding behind the, the bush, it was probably poison ivy. <laughs> Wasn't any good, you know, that didn't, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. God could see. You know what, how we hide the, the masks and the, the, the camouflage and the, the, the costumes that we put on. Listen, God knows. There's no such thing as privacy from the Lord. Psalm 90, verse number 8. 
Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Secret. There are no secrets. The only place secrets uh, exist is right here and right now, maybe with your family or others or your job or, or, or your community. That's where you can have secrets. Not with God. There are no secrets. As a matter of fact, Jesus said the things that were whispered are going to be shouted on the housetops. Everything, every, there's no secrets. Not, not com completely, forever. No, no, things will be revealed. Proverbs 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees everything. Why do you pretend? Because number one, God identifies you. Number two, your works identify you. What you do identifies who you are. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14, the Bible says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. All of your works, everything you've ever done, and the things that you've done identify you. You know, people want to say, well, I'm not, you know, bad or as bad as this person, or, you know, I'm not, you know, worthy of judgment. Just watch the... Um, a uh, documentary of, of Timothy McVeigh and, and the, uh, the, the uh, explosion at the Monroe Building in Oklahoma City. And to his dying moment, he wasn't guilty. He wasn't. No, no there's 168 people, women and children, that, that he snuffed out and that he wasn't guilty. He wouldn't, there was nothing wrong with him. Folks, there, there is a deception that we think that we're okay, but like the works don't identify us. You know, when the Bible talks about sins and liars, which, which shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with brimstone forever and ever and ever, and we say, well, that's not me. Wait a minute, are you a liar? No. Liar. <laughs> Come on. You know, hey, listen, that's a, and we kind of think that, uh, that our works and us are, are two different things. No, no, you are what you, you do. You do what you are, who you are. Second Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. What are the things that you do in your body? The selfishness, the, the lust, the, the pride, the, the rebellion. Hey, the things that you do in your body, receive the th things done in, in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Folks, your works identify you. The Bible identifies you as a sinner, but your works identify. You're a sinner by nature, but you're also a sinner by choice. Hey, listen, we need forgiveness because of our sin. You need a pardon. You need, you need to, to be justified. Why do you pretend? Because God identifies you, your works identify you, and your choice identifies you. Now, for all sinners, which we all are, well, then who goes to heaven? Nobody who doesn't receive the pardon, Jesus Christ. Listen, there's a way of salvation that's presented to every one of us. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad. Listen, I'm an undeserving sinner, should die and split hell wide open, but you know what? I'm a child of the king, and I'm going to heaven because I've been pardoned, because the one who loves me, we had, just heard that song a little bit ago, I'm loved. I'm loved so much that he made a way, but it's my choice whether I accept him or not. 
And folks, you are identified by what you do with that choice of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Folks, that means everybody was there. Nobody missing, nobody hiding, nobody playing hooky from that meeting. All of humanity, everybody that's ever lived, the dead, small and great, it doesn't matter if they were uh, men or women of importance, uh, uh, of power, or, or the paupers, or the, the unnoticed. Listen, everybody was there. That's what it says. The, small, uh, uh, the, the, the dead, small and great, stood before God. And then it says, and the books were opened. And another book which was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books that is according to their works. Folks, everything you've ever done, all of the, the bad choices you've ever made, the times you've broken God's laws, the time that you, you weren't even uh, 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 honoring your own ideas. You've broken those. those. That's your works. And you'll be judged according to those works. Sin, 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 sin transgression, transgression, uh, wicked, and it's going to all be judged according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. Folks, the choice that you make with Jesus Christ, with the pardon, with the, with the way of salvation, that choice will identify you in this crowd that we're talking about. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life. You've got to get your name written in that book. If your name's not written in, in that book, that's the choice of Jesus. As many as received him, Jesus, as many as received him to them, give you power to become the sons of God and your name gets written in that book and if your name is not in that book is this so so vital this this critical choice that you must make you will be identified by this choice of what you do with Jesus the truth is that God knows exactly who you are the amazing thing is he loves you anyway he loves me anyway, knowing exactly who I am. I can't believe that he loves me like that, but he does. He loves me, he loves you, and he died to save you. Take off the mask and be saved. Just be who you are. Before the Lord, come as a sinner in need, saying, God, this is, I'm a sinner. I'm in need. I need you to save me. And he will. You'll be identified by that choice. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment.